Good evening, everybody. First job. To God be the glory for a wonderful week, a very busy week for us, and at the same time, we see the hand of God at work all over the place. Each time I look at our young folks, I'm thinking now, what a blessing that God has allowed the generations to continue. He didn't cut us off. And when we don't even think about this, Lord Jesus is constantly talking to the Father on our behalf. I wonder what that's like in heaven to see him do that. For every race of people, for every culture, for every individual, because he knows each one of us by name. He knows each one of us more than we know ourselves. Think about the number of people that's on the earth now. But Zora, is it the number 7.2 billion, something like that? Yeah. When you think about that number, it, it can be kind of overwhelming, right? So imagine him knowing the thoughts of every person. That's, that's something. And then, as Isaiah chapter 40 tells us, that he knows all the stars, for he, he, he called them all by name. There are so many stars in our universe that we can't even number them. We don't have a number for them. Not even using scientific notation. We, we just can't do it. But yet God knows every one of those stars by name. And that's not counting the number of angels. When we look in Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, it says, And the sons of God came and appeared before God. Talking about the angels. Just imagine you being that person who's responsible for all of creation. And that's what God gave Jesus. As it says in Colossians chapter 1, um, Paul tells us that Colossians 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, that Jesus, by the power of his word, the word of his mouth, holds all creation together. And Paul says in his letter, in the closing part of his letter to the Colossians, he says, and all things exist because of him. Think about that. You're responsible for the entire creation order of God and how it functions from day to day. And yet, there's, the Bible tells you and I, Jesus in his beautiful discourse in his first sermon on the mount, as we know it, that <clears throat> not even a sparrow falls from the sky without God knowing it. Now that's something. There are more fowls of the air than there are humans. And yet God knows every flight path of every bird. And I'm going, how does he do that? And then to put complexity, a complexity on that tells you and I that God also has numbered the clouds. Have you ever tried to count the clouds? I am a little, okay, let me see now. And you just can't do it. They change, too. Yeah, they change formations. 
One moment there, you see this little itty bitty cloud going by, and the next moment you see a cluster, and then the next moment, the entire sky is just one blanket. <laughs> Emma, how does it do it? And then, to top it off, he tells you and I that, Jesus does, that God knows the number of hairs on all the 7.2 billion people on the planet. Mm -hmm. The number of hairs on the head or lack thereof. Hair follicles. <laughs> this same God is the same one that narrow things down so small that he knows everything about Emma more than her own mother knows. He knows more about Emma than her doctor knows. And he does that by every person. We see that when Jesus was first introduced and Philip was very questionable and Nathaniel. He says, an Israelite indeed and he goes, how'd you know me? He said, I knew you before, even now. How is it possible that Jesus knew this man? He knew so much about him. And yet your husband at home, in bed, digging a million. Jesus knows exactly what's going on with him. And he's talking to the father about our brother, your husband. And brother me are more special than the fowls of the air. Because Jesus said that if your father cares for these, a sparrow, how much more he cares for you. <laughs> so brother me, he has the greatest person in there is caring for him, God himself. And there's something to go, whoo, you go, Lord. <laughs> I mean, to celebrate. And every day Zora goes into a classroom, God has already paved the way for her to walk in. No matter what kind of spirits are in those environments, God's Holy Spirit has already gone and made a way for his children. The atmosphere changes when children of Christ walk in because we walk in with God's Spirit in us. This is the same God that tonight we get the opportunity to look at in Scripture and see him giving gifts to men. Gifts that ordinary people do not have the ability to perform. Yeah. And so, as we get ready to pray, you think about how glorious God is. All of those angels right now, think about
Think about what they're doing before God. Think about what they're doing before the Son of God. And even the angels that are on patrol right now, because in Ezekiel, we see that the angels are on patrol. They patrol the earth. And yet, God still got them. But you're worried at our vein? That even the angels are protected by God. Do you know what chapter that is? Start in chapter 1. And so, when we look at this, the same loving God, who is God and God alone, care about little bitty me and you. Because I have a hard enough time just taking care of Nelson household. I have a hard enough time taking care of this ministry. And I look at, he's taking care of the universe. Mm -hmm. Both the physical manifestation and the invisible manifestation. The spirit world, which is, is a lot more populated than we are. I don't know if you're all aware of that. Much more populated than the world. A greater range of distance. And yet, he accounts for every one of his angels. Every one of the saints who are now spirits, who have gone before us, are now spirits. He accounts for every one of them. And he accounts for everybody that's in the grave that belong to him. Even those that don't belong for, to him, he knows where they are. Because Revelation chapter 20 tells you and I that he's going to say to those places that I wouldn't give them up. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and those places are going to give them up. Mm-hmm. And those dead will stand in judgment. Mm-hmm. But he's the one we serve. The one who loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus. God's own son, as we like to say in this world, is God's own right-hand man governing the universe. Wow. What do you think about that? Blows your mind, isn't it? It does. And so, he's the one that, that loves us. I, I had the blessing... And then we're getting ready to pray and get into our lesson. I read probably 95% of the book of Hosea the other day. I think I only had two chapters left. Just started reading, just couldn't stop. And uh, I was looking at that, how God had told this man to go and marry a prostitute and have children with her. And not only did he, he tell this man to go and marry her, but this man had to love her. And have children, and, and, and when they named the children, they had two girls and one boy. After that day, 
that lady went back into prostitution. <laughs> and God said, go get her. Go redeem her. And he did. He went and got his wife off the auction block as a prostitute and brought her back. And he never stopped loving her. And he did that so that it could be used as an illustration that God said this was how Israel was treating him by serving other gods. They were playing the harlot. But there was a redeemer coming to redeem them. And he named one of the children, though you are not my people, yet you shall be my people. That's you and I. So he didn't forget us. Now that's a loving father, isn't it? And I've said over and over again, and as I've read that throughout the years, that God, I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs> I'm not so sure. Maybe I could have, because my love for God is just that deep. And I believe I would have done just that. Well, if you think about young Ezekiel, God said, I'm going to take your wife and I don't want you to mourn over her. Wow. Because at that time, the nation of Judah was just like being dead to God, what they had done to him. But yet, that same nation, God brought his son through them. Judah, the tribe of Judah. Remember, they were sent into captivity for 70 years in the Babylon. Again, showing you and I the love of the Father. Constant. Deep stuff. And he's the same one has a, a man who wants a killer. Preaching the gospel. Writing the gospel. Wrote this letter. That's God. So, if we have any issues tonight, then we need to tell him. We need to tell Jesus, who's standing before his Father and is making intercessory prayer without ceasing, the Word of God says. He doesn't get tired, he doesn't get bored. And it doesn't get frustrated where he said, you know what, I'm not going to pray for that RV. I'm not going to ask my father to give him a break. Like give her a break or give him a break or whoever it may be. You know, you just plug in the name. And he's not like that. He's forever loving. And it's hard for me to find him that this wonderful loving father also on the day of judgment is going to sentence people to die and eternal death from him. And it doesn't change his nature of being loving. Y'all ready for this? I don't know where all that just come from. I thank God for it. Amen. It's just a prelude. We get ready to go into prayer. Let's pray. I mean, you're going to have to keep shaking that thing while we're praying. <laughs> Father, we love you so much. 
And we come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. This is the part of Bible study, the prayer meeting that we often neglect, Lord. Father, I'm glad that you slowed us down. And there's so much going on right now, so much in which take our attention and distract us from you. But you are not that way. Even though the universe is yours, all the creation is yours, Lord God. And yet you have time to sit and listen to our prayers. And Lord Jesus, you, you have time to sit and intercede for us and talk to your Father for us on our behalf and to plead our case. And you never grow weary. You never grow tired as, as you told us through the writing of the Psalms. He who keepeth Israel neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. And Father, what a blessing it is to be your sons and your daughters, purchased by the very own blood of your son, Jesus. And tonight, Lord, one of your sons lay weak. And Lord Jesus, we're asking that you touch his body. Speak the word from heaven right now. And your son, Amelia, will be made whole. We believe that, Lord. And we ask, Father, that because you are holy, that you forgive us for our sins and wash us, cleanse us, Lord Jesus. Wash our feet because you've already washed our soul, our spirit. But we're asking that you wash our feet just like you did your disciples when you were here. Lord, will you watch over Israel? Will you allow your spirit to move upon Israel in a mighty way tonight? Will you bring forth your peace and your salvation into the land of Israel once again? And Lord, we're asking you to be patient with these United States. Lord, you know that election time is upon us. The people are confused. But we're trusting you, Lord, for wisdom and for guidance and and that your choice, Lord, your will will be done. And God, I ask that your hand be up on Crystal right now. Why, well, it's, it's a lot of work handling two small children, an entire household. Melinda knew that when she left, when I left her with Mike and Melissa. So I empathize with Crystal, Lord, and ask that you give her a measure of strength right now. In Jesus' name, as you're doing your son Amelia right now, we thank you, Lord, that you're answering our prayer. And I pray and ask you to be with Shelly. She's constantly running. Oh, Lord, her strength get drawn out of her. And I ask that you replenish her by your spirit, rejuvenate her in the Holy Ghost. And Lord, for Sister Vicky, such a precious jewel before you. I always want to make sure things are right and everything is organized and smooth sailing for your ministry, Lord. And we need more like her. And I thank you for her incredible gift. We thank you for bringing Brother David on board and Lord now 
Crystal, another wonderful um, dimension to, to your music, to your choir. I ask that you continue to, to draw me in, Lord, and for Arve and Zora and Emma, bless their little hearts today. I hear, Lord, beautiful young teenagers, and Lord, I love them, and I know you do, and you're special to you, Lord Jesus, and, and I pray, Lord, that you keep the hand of the evil one away from them and give them strength when faced with adversity and give them wisdom to make the right choices. And I'm asking, Lord, for patience with Tamara and guidance as she instruct the young kids tonight. I pray that you give the kids a heart of obedience. And, and Lord, I ask that you continue to bring kids into this ministry. It seems to be a dry period right now, Lord. And I'm asking that you water the desert and bring forth a harvest. And Jesus, I pray that you touch every person at work next door. I even offered to do a service for them on Monday so that they all can attend church and be in fellowship with you and Father and with one another. I pray now, Lord, that you open the door for that to happen because we all need you. We all need to sit at your feet. We all need to worship you in spirit and truth. We all need one another. And Lord, we're asking now, watch over our armed forces. Father, I pray that you give Crystal and her husband favor for a job. And ask you watch over Hamlet and her family too. And be with Marcus and Giselle. I pray that all the cancer's gone out of Giselle's body. I thank you for Michael and Miranda. Thank you seeing Brandon home safely from Germany. And just have your way tonight as your spirit teaches on spiritual things. Help us to comprehend these gifts and to, Lord, seek to you for guidance as you give us the ability and opportunity to exercise them for your glory. Have your way now, because truly, Jesus, you're the only way to the Father. Salvation is only in you and in no other. Help us to make that known to the world beginning right now, Lord, for the glory of Father sits upon the throne and of you, Jesus Christ, whom he had sent. And to your name be all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise, now and forevermore. Amen. Okay, here we are. Emma, can you bring up verse 12? Chapter 12, verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12. Okay. We just, last week, we had the privilege and honor by the Holy Ghost to go over the different spiritual gifts, the nine spiritual gifts, understanding that the Holy Spirit can give them to anybody that He desires. Notice that God is, the Holy Spirit is the one who's distributing these gifts. Not Lord Jesus and not Father, but the Spirit himself. Okay? And we have to look at the fact also, what's being said in verse 12, 
It is very important for us to grasp. It says here, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. Um, how many times have you heard people say, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I don't need to go to church to serve God. I will say to you that statements and they're lying. Because you cannot be a part of the body if you're absent from the body. That means you've just been a hand or foot or whatever eye or nose has been cut away. And what good is that to the body? It's no good at all. Just like a dead hair follicle is no good to a man that's bald-headed. You're supposed to laugh at that. So, for as a body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Jesus, even though he is the reason why we exist, we're all in him. And for the life of me, I cannot conceive why people don't want to come together as the body of Christ. Why don't they want to come to Bible study? Why don't they want to come to fellowship? Why don't they want to come and do things so that the ungodly can see Christ as a whole? And that the things of Jesus are many and yet all working together for the common good, Jesus. So I, 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 don't, I don't understand that. Um, you, you know what's so good about this statement? All of it's good. But I want to point out something else that you may not have thought about. I'm not so sure. But here's, here's the thought. How is it possible then that you can be in Christ if you're not in Christ's body? How is it possible that you can please Christ if you're not working for him? Because that's the purpose of the body being together, to work, period, to serve. Look at verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. I want to stop there. Every time we baptize someone, the Holy Ghost says, you're in the body, inside Christ. Okay, so are you telling me then those who are in Christ are now dead to him if they don't come and fellowship? Because what good is that body part if it's not active and alive to him? What good is it? That's just a part that's waiting to die. Because you draw strength from the body of Christ. The Spirit also speaks particularly to the body, the body of believers. Yes, he does speak to individuals, but I'm here to tell you, everything that he says to you and I are basically for the benefit of the body as a whole. 
no matter how small or how great that person is. And we're going to be looking at that too. Let's, let's look a little further. So, it says, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greek. Did you get You see that? It doesn't matter if you were Israelite or you're outside of the nation of Israel by birth. Whether you're a slave, and the reason why they put that, he put that there because there were slaves in Paul's days. Okay? So it didn't matter if you was a slave or a free man or a free woman. Okay? And we were all given the one spirit to drink, God's Holy Spirit. So it didn't matter what your life condition or circumstance were or status. If you belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came in you. Okay? And it didn't matter whether you were of the nation of Israel or outside the nation of Israel. If you believe in God's Son, Jesus Christ, then God's Holy Spirit live in you. It didn't matter. Okay? And today we can simply say it doesn't matter. Look at verse, verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. You notice a theme here? Have you noticed the repeating theme here? That there are multiple body parts. All right? So that means, and now he's going to break it down scientifically so that those of you that like biology can really get it. Okay? Watch him. So by one spirit, we're all baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greek, okay? Then he jump down and say, for in fact, the body is not one. Then it go on. Yet the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Do you think maybe he's being a little cynical there? Yeah, I think Paul has been a little cynical there. And it's okay. So I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Are you getting the gist here? Again, it refutes everything that people believe in that I don't have to go to church to be, to be part of the body. Really. Because if you're not in church, you're, you're the missing body part. Okay? If you're not in active fellowship with the body of Christ, you are an inactive member in the body of Jesus himself. That means you're out there by yourself and parts that's not getting this source from the body is going to do what? Die. die. It is going to die. And that's a fact, Jack. Okay? And saying a similar analogy when Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Same analogies that, that, that Paul is using here. Outside of Christ, you're going to die. And a, a, a Christian, so-called Christian, trying to live outside of the body of Christ is not going to make it. We need one another. That's the way Jesus set it up. And I can't tell Emma, your gift is no good. So we, we're not going to use you because you're not like me. Or we're not going to use you because you're not like her. Or we're not going to use him because he's not like the other one. No. <laughs> and you know what? My, and I've always been like this as a preacher. When people come to me, and I've been passing for a great number of years, when people say to me, Pastor, what do you think about this? I say, what do you think about it? 
Well, I think we need it. I said, then the Holy Ghost showed it to you, right? Yes. Well, go and lay it out and then come back and give it to me and I'll present it to the church. I just told a sister that Sunday. Pastor, I think we need to go. Well, okay, well, that sounds good. Go put it together, bring it to me, and I bring it to the body. Us. And then we collectively say, okay, Lord, this is what you want us to do? Because we are the body of Christ in the local congregation here. Okay? It's not one person being dominant, and it's not one person saying, no, that's stupid, that's stupid, that's dumb, that's dumb. We can't do that. No, because Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, has given you and I all different talents and gifts to work with. Okay? All right, moving, moving right along. Put 17 to the top, please. All right, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? Where would be the hearing? Can I hear? Somebody got to see something. Somebody got to hear something. Somebody got to taste something. Somebody got to feel something. Are you, are you getting the gist of this? These are all sensible parts, working parts of the body that we all have a function. Okay? And young folks, that means that Jesus wants you actively working in his ministry because you're an active part of his body. You're not a dead cell. You're not a useless cell. You are an active, a very important part of his body. Because you know what happens when you pluck away some parts of your body? Well, you're not going to feel that? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, he's the same way. When one of you all walk away from him, he hurts. Think of it that way. Even if you just pull out a string of hair, you go, oh, ow, you felt that. Am I right? Have you snatched a string of hair out your hair? Yeah. yeah. Get off the hair part. <laughs> okay. So, if you all had ears, then how would anybody smell? But now, has God said to members, every one of them in the body as, he have, as it has pleased him? And if they were all one member, were they all, where were the body? Okay. Well, boy, he's saying this over and over and over and over again. So there had to be a problem in the Corinthian church, didn't it? Was there not a problem for him to keep saying the same thing over and over and over again? Probably because there was a few people within that congregation was dominating everything. And he's saying, uh-uh-uh, don't you dare do that. This is his way of saying to them, stop it. Everybody counts. And everybody has a part to do in the ministry. After all, in Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11, bring it up in one of those columns. It doesn't matter which one. Okay, what does it say? Vision 4, verse 11. Start there. Look, look. Yeah, you passed it. Okay, look what it says. And he himself gave some, talking about Jesus, this is Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian, I mean, the Ephesian church. 
church in Ephesus, he said, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of what? Look at that. Sorry. Equipping of the saints for what? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, in other words, for the building up so that you can grow. So everybody has to work together. Everybody got a part. When y'all go help Miss Nelson with the kids, you're exercising some of the gifts that the Holy Ghost give you. You may even have the gift of teaching already in you from the Lord. So you go and help her with those kids, you get to exercise those gifts. Okay? Even leadership. Because we don't know all, what all gifts God has given you and how those gifts are to be nourished. Okay? So that's the purpose. Why? It's until we all come to the unity of the faith, others walking together, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we get to be where Christ wants us at. That is mature Christians. Okay? You don't get there if everybody don't show up. It doesn't happen if everybody don't participate or allowed to participate. So our job is to help you come up to the level where you are an effective member in the body of Christ doing the work of ministry. That's our responsibility. It is not the preacher's job to go and do everything. Go. So if... I if there are people in the church that are actively trying to do their part like the Lord wants us to, and we're missing somebody because of their laziness or thoughtlessness, there the other people are saying, why are we having such a hard time and struggling with these things when we're all here, but they don't realize that it's that those other members that are so you, affecting everybody's walk. And it doesn't matter who the person is, and I sincerely mean this when I say it. It doesn't matter who the person is. If they're not doing their part, or if they're not allowed to do their part, it affects the entire body. And if it's affecting the entire body, it's affecting God because God is not getting all that he deserves from that particular local, local congregation. Jesus Christ is not reaping the benefit of his harvest if somebody's not out carrying their weight. So instead of criticizing the people you know aren't there, you should be praying for them. Yeah, that there'll be a change of heart in them that they will see. Because it will help us too. Yes, and they all will see that, hey, I got an important role to play here because God said so. Lord Jesus said by the Holy Spirit, I'm equipped to do this, and I want to do this. This is my part for the body, okay? Is this just talking about church or is this talking about relationships everything is all jesus didn't splice it up it's all one it's everything it covers it all because the church in ephesus is one of the most beautiful pictures of a church and we see that in revelation yeah they had some issues but they work well together. And when Paul left them, and you'll see it later on in Acts, the Ephesian elders, they wept like a baby because Paul said, my face you shall see no more. And they cried. 
Those brothers, I mean, they broke down like babies. And Paul said, why are you crying? He said, we're not crying because you said there are going to be dogs that are going to come in amongst the congregation and try to rip us up. We're crying because you said we shall see your face no more. They were going to be missing an intricate part of their congregation because he had been with them about two years. And you got a brother like Paul leading you. I mean, things are happening. And so if we don't get to exercise these gifts and talent that the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit has given us, that's a problem. It's a huge problem. If everybody really showed up with the heart to do ministry here, instead of coming in, and I'm talking about me too, because sometimes I do come in dragging my heels, don't I? And sometimes I come in very frustrated and it quenches the spirit. And he gets me later. Trust me, I don't get away with it. All right? He just gets me in private most of the time instead of scolding me in front of everybody. But I don't get away with it. I'm here to tell you the truth. But if we really love Lord Jesus and see how all of this come together, us working together, then when Emma's not here, you will really say, poor, I really miss Emma. I really wish she was here. Or Arve, I really miss Arve. Or Zora, I really miss Zora. I wish she was here. Zora took that baby out of my arms that was crying and did what? Just like that, that baby stopped. Why? That baby didn't know Zara. I don't really know me either, but. <laughs> but what did she do? Because someone else had something to give that I didn't have to give. And that precious little jewel, she was quiet for a little bit. That's, Emma, that's all of us. Back to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, please, back at verse 17. We rob God of the pleasure of receiving glory out of our service to him when we all don't show up and do the same thing. Why do you think God, I, I, I got to be careful how I say this because it may not be accurate. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, it says that those brothers and sisters was on one accord. That means they were working together. They were thinking the same thoughts and saying the same line of prayers. Lord Jesus, whatever you have for us, we're here waiting. And they all wanted that. And I think if we all want the same thing, to see this ministry grow, and all desire to get out there and tell somebody and love them and invite them in, this ministry would take off like wildfire. But right now, it's too much division among us. I think once we stop all the bickering among one another and, and picking out each other's faults all the time, but loving each other and doing it in a, a wonderful way of correcting each other without really making people feel insecure, I think... God will birth something here. And, and, and I apologize to you all for always making you feel like crap. That never, you teenage little brother and sister, never were my intention to make any of you all 
feel like garbage. All I want you all to do is to really love Lord Jesus and give him your all in all because you're wonderful, loving people and you got a lot to contribute. And I want that for you. And I want to help you sharpen those talents, those gifts that the Lord has given you. I, I want to help you bring that out. So when you're playing, and that's when the Holy Spirit, if he's telling you, pound it, bring it out, let go. And, and, and we felt God's spirit moving in such an amazing way when you do that. Don't, don't have restraints. Just let go. Give him your all. The same thing. Well, this one may not want to come to the ministry, but there's somebody out there who are going to listen to you and going to want to come. Yeah. Somebody going to want to be your friend and, and, and say, boy, that RV is something else, isn't it? <laughs> if somebody out there is going to want to know, say, dude, we've been watching you the last two years and you're not the same person. I know it's a little warm in here, isn't it? Oh, I'm good. No, but I was warm too. And so, and Emma, Amber got that personality that's like a bee that, that just, I'm not trying to say Emma's better than anybody. I'm just simply saying that's her personality type, that, that's super outgoing. But my job as a pastor to help Emma take that super outgoing personality and say, look, we're a small congregation right now, but we're a small congregation that love Jesus and we love each other. And we want you to come and be a part of us. Come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ with us and our Father in heaven. And, and, and show them by selling Jesus in yourself. That's what you have to do. And that's what the Holy Spirit been telling me. Samuel, get back out there. Because I'll be honest with you, I was discouraged there for a while. And <clears throat> I got beat up by the largest church here in town. And they had wounded me deeply. And I kept saying, well, God, what, what did I do to deserve that? What did I do? It was all about the I, 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 and never about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Look what they did to you. And the Holy Spirit had to correct me because I was uh, basically putting myself in an early grave. And so now I'm going, wow, Lord, I look back and go, but look where you brought me from. <laughs> look where you brought me from. Because what the devil meant for harm, God took and made it into good. Okay? And spiritual gifts are just that. They're meant for the good of God to touch men and women's hearts, to draw them in to the fellowship. Here's a key point for you. Turn to First uh, John chapter 4. I want to show you something on how spiritual gifts are at work, you get to see them in operation. First John chapter four. Oh my Lord, it's already seven twelve. First John chapter four. Uh, let's take a look here. I want to just show you something here. Uh, matter of fact, go 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 back to chapter one. You're doing good. Look, look what John is saying here. He, he's writing to a group of saints. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, you heard me read this to you before, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. What did he just do there in that opening statement? 
So what did he just do there? Who was he selling? Who was he selling there in verse 1? 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which, in the New King James side, that which was from the beginning. He's saying, Jesus. yeah, Jesus. From the very first moment, yeah, from the very first moment we laid eyes on him, we were instantly in love with him. So he's selling Jesus. And I hate to use the term selling, but that, that's what he's doing. He's out marketing Jesus. That's what he's doing. And that's what you have to do. That's what I have to do. And every other person that says Jesus is our Lord, we have to market him to people that don't know him. And that's what he's doing there. And he's saying that which we, from the beginning, we, I mean, he's convinced that Jesus is the real deal because he is. And he says, which we have heard. So look, we've heard him speak. And let me tell you, there's no one else like him. And this is how convincing you have to be to your friends about Jesus. And to a stranger, say, let me tell you something. I know someone that's greater than all people. And his name is Jesus, the Son of God. And that's what John is making known to people here. And he goes on to tell them. He said, and we have seen him with our eyes. He said, look, we, we just didn't hear this with a, from, by word of mouth. This is someone that we witnessed ourselves. We met him ourselves, like this pretty face here. Like, look, I know this pretty child here, or this beautiful baby right here, or this handsome figure right here. So I, I know him, and this gorgeous middle-aged woman here. So I, 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 I know, because I've seen you myself. I, I know you. He's saying, we have an intimate relationship with him. So I'm more than convinced I know he's the real thing. Okay, that's what he's saying there. And when you, and this is being said, not melancholy, like, oh, I know who he is. Yeah, I know Jesus. He's my Savior. No, I know Jesus. Let me tell you, okay? I know what he's capable of doing, and I know he cares about us. Because he's still got his nail prints in his hand and in his feet. Let me tell you, he come to me in the midnight hour when nobody else understands. Jesus holds my hand and said, daughter, I understand. I feel your pain. Okay? He said, I felt your pain before I even brought you into the world. So he's, these guys, he's going, and I what? And our hands have what? Handle. We've touched him. He's a real person. He's not a figure of our imagination. And so when you're out there, you got to be convinced yourself who Jesus is. That's what Paul is doing with the spiritual gifts here. He's more than convinced because he has seen them work through him. Okay? And then it goes on. He said, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested. God brought him here. God brought him all the way from heaven to earth. He was here. And we have seen, there it is again, and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. You go, wait a minute. He was up there in heaven first. And then he came here. So he's given, he's been a live witness, giving a real live testimony here. And then he carries it on out. 
That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. That now he's, he's bringing them in. You can go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 17. So he's telling them, Zora, well, we truly know him. We know him up close and personal. And we know his father, God himself. And we fellowship with the father. And we know him because our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus. And so when you're out there telling people, you got to tell them just like that. Come to a place where we know Jesus is. And we can change the atmosphere in here with each other by becoming more loving. And I'm going to work on a certain person about that too. And I'm working on me. Because you all need to know God is love. You need to know Jesus is love by seeing Jesus in me. Don't mean if you do wrong, you're going to get away with it. Don't mean if I do wrong, I'm going to get away with it because he's loving but you're certainly going to feel his compassion because that's what he is. And so in dealing with these people, he was letting them know you handful of people that think you know everything and that you got to run everything. God didn't make you the only ones here to have gifts. These other brothers and sisters got gifts too from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has gifted them to have ministries too. And they can do ministry activities too. If God tell Emma to go and twirl her baton up and down that sidewalk out there hollering the name of Jesus, hey, it's his own, baby, go for it. Because obvious God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Amen? And whatever you feel that the Spirit is leading you to do, as long as it doesn't embarrass Jesus, Amen? And it really touched the heart of another young person to get them in here so they can hear the gospel and be God's son and daughter by Lord Jesus Christ, have their sins forgiven. I'm all for it. I'm telling you. And all your lives is a testimony. We go just a couple, I think this is all. We'll cut off at 7.30. Is that okay? That's 10 minutes. Y'all okay with that? Mm -hmm. Emma, y'all right over there, dog? Yeah. So, he's really hammering home. Actually put verse 21 to the top, Emma. So he's really hammering home for all of those one like the showboat. I always got to be up front in the church. You know the people. You've seen them. I always got to let the congregation look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Uh, me and my so-and-so, we did this. Oh, that was our doing. Come on. It's just like a little kid that can't get enough attention. It's not about you. It's about the body of Christ. Okay? Sometimes I wish I could play a guitar. I think I've been I've been wanting to go and purchase one, a bass, so I can learn how to play bass. 
So I can get beside Mr. David and go boom, 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 You just confirmed it now. Go do it. So, and I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. George, stop telling Emma, I don't want you around. I'm only saying that. I didn't know you did that. Say, no, you can't do that. I'm going to do that. Rather than saying, hey, Emma, let's do this together. Uh, hey, RV, let's do this together. And then watch what God does. Because very rarely does God call you to be a Moses. And even Moses had a mouthpiece. His name was Aaron, a spokesperson. And even Moses had a servant, by the, a minister by the name of Joshua. It was Moses' successor. And Paul did not go by himself. He took a team with him. And even Lord Jesus didn't travel by himself. He took a team of 12. And even in the background, if you read, it tells you those women who supported their ministry, who provided financially for Lord Jesus them while they were out doing the will of God. Yes, a number of sisters paid and they went with them and they cooked and provided support so that the Son of God had no need of stopping and raise money to go on a mission trip. I never thought, why in the world the kids got to raise money to go on a mission trip? Why won't the church just saying, no, this is our responsibility together, rather than making a single person raise money to go on a mission trip? I never could understand that. Have you? It, to me, that oh, shut up, Samuel. Shut up. Anyway, because it's the body. If the church is sending you, then the church need to raise the money. So, again, Emma, you stop telling me I can't use my feet. This is what it says. So it says, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. I can surely, I like to see RV head just get around by itself without his feet. <laughs> It'd be like the headless horseman. I don't believe I just said that, but okay. The feet was Anyway, verse 22, nay, listen to this. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be wicked are indispensable. Don't ever think you don't have a contribution to give. Just because you're not wearing the title doesn't mean Jesus hasn't equipped me for a role and a position and a work to do. Because it's just as important to Jesus as a person out front, supposedly, as a pastor. And, and I'm not so sure that's right because it says the equipping of the saints was done by the, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists. All together, they were to equip the saints. 
So I don't know where this thing come from that one person called so-called pastor end up dominating the entire church. Where did that come from? That's man want his hierarchy, want to put himself up on a pedestal and be in charge. Because where is the evangelist for this ministry? Where is the teacher for this ministry? Huh? Where is the prophet? Where is the apostle? Where are they? We all need to be working together to equip you all for the work of ministry. Okay. Five minutes. Verse 23, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. That just said to me, I have no right not to honor you just as much people honor me. In fact, because you are the weaker part, I need to be giving you more attention. That's what honorable means. Give you more attention so people can see you. So you know that person that cleans the church? Well, that's ministry. That's considered weaker? Yes, because he's not up in the pulpit mm. or in the classroom teaching or out on the mission field or out sharing the gospel down the street. So people don't look at that person the same. Therefore, his work, his ministry is weaker. Not weaker in strength, but weaker in position. Because that's how we look at people. Okay. So that word weaker doesn't mean strength. No, means, uh, by position. Behind. Their gifts and talent. That person can clean that floor like nobody else can. Mm -hmm. That that church, I know certainly you. Look at Miss Marie. When she come in here, what'd you do, Emma? Boy, she turned this place upside down. When she get through, it's smelling like perfume and looking like a rose garden. She put this building together, don't she? And fussing the whole time. This don't make no sense. <laughs> but yet when she walk out, it's what? It's together. But nobody can do it like Miss Marie. Because even though I know I'm going to get scold when she come in, uh-oh, <laughs> she's going to let me have it by something. And she does. <laughs> hey, that's her gifts. She care about the house of God. Mm -hmm. She does. And who are we to take that away from her? And when we call people up to recognize them, Paul saying, you also call her up. Because she's just as important. You musicians, the eyes of the people are upon you all. And they are admiring your gifts. You singers, people are admiring your gifts because they're hearing them. Zora got great skills and help taking care of kids and stuff. And I, I don't know what else Zora can do. She just haven't come forth and showed them. But I'm sure she has a lot of more incredible gifts that we just haven't seen yet. Am I right? I'm sure you're a very talented young lady. We just haven't seen them. It's like Arve. Look how fast that boy learning the drums. I remember when he couldn't, even, I don't think he even knew what a snare drum was. And now look, he's playing with one of the best, Miss Vicky. 
Did anybody say to him, no, he can't, no, you can't play because you don't know how to play? What did you say, Miss Vicky? Oh, you'll learn and we'll do it together. Isn't that what you told him? And what happened? I heard Miss Vicky compliment you several times, son. You're right, RV. I was wrong. Good job. <laughs> and you didn't think anybody was paying any attention to you. Look, <laughs> got him a smile finally. Thank God. Woo. <sighs> so the entire body of Christ need to be hearing this. I mean, nobody sits on the pews, Emma, and do nothing. Everybody has a job. All of us. And we just need to find out where we fit in. People say, well, I like to know where I fit in at. Don't give me that. You already know where you fit in at. You just don't want to do that. You want to go for something else so that you can be seen. Most of the time, most people already know their spiritual gift. Are you aware of that? Because you really think the Holy Spirit is going to give you a gift and not make it known to you. Come on, he's not that naive. Every person knows what their spiritual gift is. I don't know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Quit lying. You really do. You just don't want to do that one because in your heart, that's not what you want to do. You want to do something else. I remember telling my mama as a little boy, I said, mama, I don't want to be a preacher. She said, why? I said, because preachers go to hell. She said, what'd you hear that at? <laughs> I don't know where I heard it from one of my buddies when I was a little boy talking. Preacher go to hell because they always lying. Little did I know what God had in store for me, huh? Woo! And reading the Bible? What's that? I don't understand that. These and thou, what's that? <laughs> and begot? What is begot? All right. I told y'all 7.30, so we better cut off here. Any questions? All of that, same thing over and over again. And your spiritual gifts, um, isn't it normally something that you enjoy? Well, let me... Kind of have a love for. Let me kind of back up a little bit. No. Okay. <laughs> Not always. Because let me ask you this. Do you think you enjoy looking at a demon in the spirit? Or knowing a demon is speaking? No. Or at work in somebody's life? No. You really think, oh boy, I'm going to dance over that boy. Oh boy, I just seen basketball. But is that not one of the spiritual gifts, discerning the spirits? It absolutely is. How many of you want to confront a person that's demon-possessed? And not by your own entertainment, but you better make sure you're going in the spirit of the Lord. And in the name of Jesus. If it's not, later on in the sermon series, you're going to find out those brothers that went on their way. Thinking it was something to do. Because this is nothing to monkey around with. 
Are you talking about the spiritual gifts we talked about last time? Mm-hmm. Like intercessor prayer warriors. Intercessory prayer. Everybody's giving a prayer. They don't. Some people have a gift for praying more than others. Spirit tells you there, there are different ministries. And look at the lady when Jesus was taken to the temple to be presented to the Lord when he was eight days old. Or maybe a little bit, it had to be after probably several weeks old because Mary had to be past her, her purification period, which would have meant, I think, six weeks. So he's at least six weeks old. And the prophetess Anna, do you recall what she did in the temple? She spent majority of her time praying. Yes, yes. That's what she did. That's what she did. I remember thinking when I would read that, she must have a real love to do that. And, and she did it year after year. Yeah. For long, for a great number of years. So whatever the gift the Holy Spirit or ministry the Holy Spirit has given you to do, ask Lord Jesus to perfect that gift in you. The people that have the children's ministry, they have the love for children. Yeah. So there is some kind of a... I, I was just monkeying with you a little bit, but... <laughs> you got my attention. <laughs> well, it is true. Not everybody can go and do certain things. Uh, Mother Teresa, how many of you all want to go into a disease-infected area right. and hug people and they stink, their flesh is rotten? And live and, like and, 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 live and, like and Yeah, and she lived among them and loved them and kissed them and hugged them. Look, look, look at that face right there, that sad, that that face that they make a mask out of. What, you know what I'm talking about? That's what she just presented to us. But you got to be willing. Some people now, they go on the streets and they deal with prostitutes or, and they hug them and kiss them and feed them and tell them that they're somebody and that they have a Father in Heaven that loves them and a Lord that died for them and doesn't want to see them living that way. He has a better life for them and, they, and that they're all special to Him. Uh, that's not anybody can go in those streets and face those pimps and those Johns and as you you really think that John wants you to take his uh, his, his yeah he's gonna try to do everything he can to stop you what about that drug dealer do you really think you want his little pusher you coming out there telling his boy that you know I don't want you doing this and that cause he, that guy's making him money and he's going to tell you, take your Jesus right onto the grave with you because he's going to try to kill you. I had a young lady one time in prison. And, I, and I'll close and just go, I, I'm sorry I belong in this with you all. But when I found out where she came from, without even knowing, I just asked her, I said, were you a mule? She looked at me. She said, Mr. Nelson, how do you know that? I said, you rode a motorcycle? Yes, sir. I said, how did you get in? You, you, you were, uh, 
who all raped you and beat you? She said, my, my dad was uh, one of the hierarchy people without saying too much about her, you know. So they grandfathered her in because of her father's high position in this organization. And uh, make a long story short, by me loving that child, that young lady, one much older than you, Zora, in prison, pushing drugs. She was a mule. What's that? Person that carried the drugs, mm -hmm. a female. Because in those days, females were not given them much. To, if you rested a male and a female, both the same age, carrying the same amount of drugs, never been in trouble before, which one you think get more time? Male. The male would. And that's why these drug pushers, the dealers would have the female carry the drugs on their motorcycles. They were called mules. And they'll get less time. But the Lord Jesus Christ loved that child. And she surrendered her life to Jesus. Okay? All right, let's bow in prayer. Ms. Vicki, will you close us out today? Lord, we thank you for the word tonight that it is just ministering to us and edifying you in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for our pastor who gives himself for you. Thank you, Lord, for our body that we are striving and developing our spiritual gifts that we are at the beginning, but we are working toward fulfilling what you have for us as a church because we know that you have great things for us, and we just thank you, yes, Lord. Wow. I, I ask that we continue to be faithful to the cause, loving one another yes, and helping one another and staying close to you in our relationship with you and in the word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So giving God honor and glory. I know this mic is this thing is recording one of these pockets, are they? Thank you, Father. Giving our friends around the world the opportunity to to receive Jesus. All you have to do is surrender. Accept God's plan of salvation, knowing you're a sinner, that God sent Jesus to die for you. And just go and fall in his loving arms and surrender your life to him forever. It's not just a little prayer. It's a lifetime, lifetime commitment with love for God and his son, Jesus. We ask that you do that now and then get in a good Bible study group and a good church and watch the Holy Spirit equip you for the work of the ministry too. For the glory of Father and the glory of Lord Jesus. Amen.